Do you know how vulnerable your organization is to a crisis? I'm Edward Siegel, a leadership strategy senior contributor for Forbes.com and the author of the best-selling and award-winning book, Crisis Ahead, 101 Ways to Prepare for and Bounce Back from Disasters, Scandals, and Other Emergencies. My guest today is Jackie Kolek, the Chief Innovation Officer at Peppercom. She'll explain why it is essential for organizations to measure and monitor their exposure to a crisis and what could happen to them if they don't. Hi, Jackie. Welcome to the show. Glad you could be with me today. Hi, Ed. It's wonderful to be here talking about a very important topic and one I know is keeping many communicators and business leaders awake at night. Yes, indeed. Uh, But why is it essential for federal agencies and companies uh, in the private sector uh, to measure their vulnerability to a crisis? Well, as I'm sure you know, and many of your listeners know, how an organization, whether it's a public or, or federal agency, responds to a crisis or issue in the first few hours and days can really make the difference between you know how they weather that storm. And the more you can prepare in advance and understand not only the specific threats, but have a very strong and efficient process in place to respond to threats, the better, more likely you are to come out of that, you know, in a positive way and protect your brand or organization's reputation. Who do you think should be involved in determining an organization's vulnerability? Well, when I think about vulnerabilities, I like to think about them in two different buckets. There are those tangible vulnerabilities, things that you know are specific to your business or your agency that you can really almost predict and prepare for. So for example, think of uh, you know, Norfolk Southern and a train derailment, things like that that are part of your business that you can prepare for. And then there are those threats that we like to think of as intangible, things that may be happening in the political specter, in the social, in the social realm, that you can't necessarily predict, but you can put a good process in place for responding to. So think of, for example, Coca-Cola and voting rights in the state of Georgia and having to speak out around that issue. Um, So when it comes to those two different types of of issues or vulnerabilities, it's very important to start with the functional leaders across your organization. So that can include everybody from legal, HR, sales, marketing, IT, security, to really understand who their stakeholders are, the issues that are keeping those stakeholders awake at night, how they communicate with those different stakeholder groups, and how they gather information, make decisions, and then communicate out to those stakeholder groups. Of course, you never know when a crisis will hit. So how often do you think agencies and organizations should measure their exposure to a possible crisis? I think that back in, you know, maybe five or six years ago, we would suggest every two to three years was a good time, but things are moving so fast now. In an ideal situation, organizations should be revisiting these vulnerabilities every quarter because new threats are emerging consistently. For example, we've just seen with some of our clients and and folks in the industry that they're having difficulty getting media, for example, to attend events in the state of Florida and Texas. They're having backlash from their employees who don't want them to have conferences and events in those states. That's a threat nobody would have even conceived of maybe a year ago. So really understanding how the times around you, the the political climate, the environment is changing your vulnerabilities and how you need to respond to particular issues is critical. But then again, there's new new challenges and new dangers and new risks that can surface uh, without any warning at any time. I think AI is a good example of that. 
Uh, is it possible that waiting for every quarter uh, to assess vulnerability could even be uh, too long of a wait? And if there's something in the news that no one had thought about, should they jump in and uh, consider that as a possible threat to their company or organization? Absolutely. I think there are many threats that are looming out there that are, again, those intangible unknowns. We've seen so many organizations, both in the federal side and in the private sector, suffer from leaks. Look what's happened, for example. I mean, obviously, there was the large ones like the Supreme Court and the Pentagon leaks. But there was also issues for EY, the accounting and advisory firm, where internal documents were leaked regarding their proposed split. So you never really can predict all of the vulnerabilities. But what you can do is have a process in place that enables your organization to gather information, to get the right people at the table to make decisions and to respond to issues as they arise as quickly and efficiently as possible, and also to test that process. We highly recommend that clients take their issues framework, their crisis response plan, and test it. Take a potential vulnerability and actually do a mock simulation and test that framework to ensure it works. Identify gaps. Know that each functional leader understands their role in responding to an issue or crisis, that the right people are staying in their lanes and perform, you know, gathering the right information, making the right decisions, and that you're really tapping into the right groups of decision makers. Within any organization, there should be a group of, of individuals who may weigh in and provide information and insight, but then there's the group of decision makers because they really need to be a core group that can make decisions quickly and respond effectively, effectively to neutralize threats to the organization. So what are some of the worst case scenarios if they don't pay attention to these potential threats or if they don't have a crisis management plan or if they have a plan and they don't even test it? Well, I think we're seeing it play out in recent weeks with Anheuser-Busch and their um their partnership with a trans influencer that really backfired on the organization. And I believe that there were two areas where Anheuser-Busch fell down. One, they did not listen to their stakeholders and understand who their stakeholders were. So while I wholly applaud their efforts to be more inclusive by partnering with a trans influencer, it clearly backfired and they were ill-prepared to handle the backlash from their core customer base. And then their response to the issue angered both sides. By not standing up for the influencer, Dylan Mulvaney, they effectively negated the work that they had done to be more inclusive. And then by firing the executives that actually put the campaign together, they further exacerbated the problem. But at the same time, they didn't do anything to calm the fears or the, the outrage of their core customer base at a time when their product is really suffering and sales are continuing to slump. So they really did not understand the full vulnerabilities and threats that such a campaign might pose to their brand and responded to it very poorly. On the flip side of that, I think a great example is the U.S. Army and what they did in terms of pulling their sponsorship of Call of Duty. Understanding that the U.S. Army has a big mandate to recruit more Gen Z um, service people, when they saw that there was you know, allegations of sexual misconduct at the parent company of Call of Duty, they quickly revoked their sponsorship and partnership with that organization. Again, understanding that that potential threat of aligning themselves with a brand that was going through that kind of a crisis would be reputationally very damaging to the core customer base that they were trying to reach. It was a smart move and the right thing to do for the brand and the organization.
So it sounds like at least as those two examples are concerned that having a active imagination could be very important in being sensitive to vulnerability. It's just not a matter of reacting to a situation or preparing for it, but then thinking it through what are the consequences if we do A, B, and C, and how would we react uh, to those possible reactions? Would you agree with that? I would absolutely agree with that. And it's why really leaders, whether they're at the, the private or the public sector, need to be rethinking their definition of crisis. Again, it's not just about you know thinking about your operations, the typical definitions of a crisis, whether that's a product recall or you know executive departure. It is really thinking about all of the, the ripple effect of all of an organization's actions. Another great example is USAA. Um, And what they had to deal with during the Colin Kaepernick situation, kneeling during the pledge kneeling um, situation, where they had to decide whether or not they were going to revoke their sponsorship of the NFL. Um, That was a situation that probably nobody, you know, previously ever thought, wow, there's going to be a societal issue or political unrest in the NFL. How are we going to respond to that? And what they actually did was they went to their members and they asked their members, how do you feel about this? And they found that. The majority of their members felt, you know what, we served in part to protect the rights of, of people for free speech. And they were behind the the notion that Colin Kaepernick had the right to do that. And so USAA decided to stay with their sponsorship. But again, they listened to their stakeholders and made sure that their, um, they were responding to the actions that they were aligned with as being part of the NFL. Do you think there are some agencies and corporations that may be more prone to a crisis than others? And if so, why do you think that's the case? Well, I do think that there is that's somewhat true. The larger the brand, the greater the reach, the global scope of an organization, the complexity of their industry or business certainly can make them in large part a greater target. For example, look at what Disney you know, has been going through in Florida. But then really nobody is immune to it. If you think about the number of small businesses, government agencies that are collecting customer data, that's getting, you know, giving them great vulnerabilities. Just earlier this year, the tiny island of Nantucket, um, their school district was hit with a ransomware attack. So nobody would have ever expected that the small you know, school district would be facing such a great vulnerability. But I read recently, according to a report, there were 2,000 government agencies, whether they were you know, public school districts, hospitals, libraries, and others that were hit with ransomware attacks in the last year. So again, what we think of as our traditional definition of crisis has really changed, and no organization, large or small, is really immune to threats. Do you think there's a difference between how those in the government and private sectors should measure and address their respective vulnerabilities? The process should be the same, but I believe the stakeholder groups would be different. On the private sector side, there might be greater um, focus on investors, for example, or customers. But in the public sector, they might need to be looking at stakeholder groups such as lawmakers, legislators, oversight committees, employee groups. So I do think that the process should be the same, taking a stakeholder-led approach, but those stakeholders will, will vary significantly. Are there any federal agencies and businesses that you believe should be held up as role models for others to follow? Well, I mentioned earlier the U.S. Army example, which I think is a really good one. Um, 
in terms of, but I'd actually like to say the flip side of where we could see some bad examples, if that's okay. Um, you know, I was recently reading an article about um, the government oversight um, organization and their report on the Department of Health and Human Services and their failure to really lead the country during the coronavirus pandemic. And one of the key components was the lack of clear and consistent information. Um, the fact that they allowed others to control the narrative. They didn't follow um, really great stakeholder insights to understand who were the influencers when it came to, example, really educating consumers about Americans about the virus, about vaccinations. They really looked to celebrities, you know, government leaders to send that message when the reality was the people who had the most influence were in local communities. It was the bartender, the hairdresser, the local clergy who really held more sway over the over the American public. And they failed to really understand their stakeholders and how to influence them. So I think that's an, you know, a cautionary tale of not understanding how information is perceived by by your target audiences, who can be sending that information and not really listening to those stakeholder groups. I understand that your company has prepared a vulnerability index. What can you tell me about that index? Well, our vulnerability index, which we call Rep Compass, is really all about understanding at its core an organization's purpose and mission and how well they are living up to that purpose and really carrying out um, their values and their mission on a day-to-day basis to understand where the threats are. So for example, organizations where their purpose may be to service a particular community or where they talk about inclusivity or equality as part of their core values and mission, how well are they living up to those standards? Because it's one thing to say you're doing something, but it's quite another thing to um, be able to actually prove and show the areas where you're making progress. And when you want, as an organization, if you attempt to really stand for something and you don't, you're not walking the walk, you're not backing that up with real action, that is a significant vulnerability for an organization. So we really help organizations understand where those threats exist. When they're talking about, you know, for example, um, an organization that is committed to diversity, equity, inclusion, how diverse is their leadership team? What programs have they put in place to ensure that they are recruiting and retaining underserved populations? Um, and how well, for you know, and how well are they really? Um, is there charitable giving? Is there you know how they conduct themselves across the organization? How well are they living that vision and those and those values and that purpose? And we really help them identify those gaps. One of the things that we've heard from many corporate communications leaders is that oftentimes they need a third party, an outside resource to hold up a mirror to the organization. Because when you're in the organization, you somewhat drink the Kool-Aid. You know, you really believe in the mission and values and you really want to believe that the organization is doing everything they can. But oftentimes it takes an outsider to say, you know what, there's a big gap here. Or, you know, you say that as an organization, you're committed to ending gun violence. Have you checked to make sure that the unions you're working with, for example, aren't donating to candidates? that are anti-gun registration? You know, Have they really gone through and checked all of the boxes about how they conduct themselves in an organization? And that's what our audit does. It works with those functional leaders across an organization to um, map how well the organization is living those values and identify those threats that may exist. How long have you had that index and what prompted you to launch it? 
So we launched it about a year ago, and it really was uh, born out of listening to our clients' needs and hearing from them the concerns and the things that were keeping them awake at night when it came to different threats. Again, everybody has a crisis plan or most organizations have a crisis plan. But according to research that we conducted with Reagan's Communications, only about half of organizations have a crisis plan or a framework that can respond to a societal or political crisis. And I have heard from many across the industry that disinformation, um, you know, uh, echo chambers and, um, you know, allegations of, of, of wokeness are really keeping them awake at night. They're very concerned about reputational issues when it comes to the political climate, the social climate, and how they should weigh in or not weigh in. So understanding that they lacked a clear, concise, and objective process for responding to those was critical. How many different levels of uh, vulnerability does your index measure, or is it uh, customized for different clients or industries or organizations or professions? It is um, really customized to the organization and focused on where they feel they want to put a stake in the ground. What are the topics that are important to them, to their employees, to their communities, to all of their stakeholder groups? And then where are they? We really create a rubric that maps how well suited they are or how well positioned they are around those particular values and where those gaps and those potential vulnerabilities exist. So walk me through the next steps after you've conducted this audit or vulnerability uh, index for a client. uh, What do they do with it? Uh, Are they receptive to the changes or do they ignore it and say, no, that can't possibly be the case for us? Well, the great thing about the process and the reason why we create it the way that we did is it's rooted in data. And that so often, especially as a communications professional, is one of the biggest challenges. You're often in a position where you're trying to communicate to senior leadership a gap that exists or a challenge that may exist. And they sort of say, well, yeah, that's nice, but I don't believe it. We give them the data and the proofs they can really educate their internal stakeholders. But once you're armed with this information, there's really two things that we recommend. One is update that crisis framework. You know, make sure that it is not just about the threats you know, but can help prepare you for the threats that you don't see, and that you can also um, respond to those issues quickly, get the right people at the table to make decisions, and be very efficient and correct and authentic in how you respond to a particular issue. The other thing that we recommend is really looking at prevention. You know, when you've identified vulnerabilities, there's operational things that you can do to to try to neutralize those vulnerabilities. But where can you get help internally within your organization? Are there employee resource groups that you can turn to, can help advise on a situation? Are there organizations externally coming back to the diversity, equity, inclusion, um, you know, conversation? Are there groups such as GLAAD and the NAACP? These groups will want to work with organizations. They're looking forward to working with organizations to help them navigate these issues. So make sure that you're lining up influential voices, educated voices, organizations that can help you really make the best decisions when you're hit with a crisis. What are the most important questions that the manager of a federal agency or the CEO of a company in the private sector What are the most important questions they should be asking themselves or their staff to ensure that they're properly prepared for a crisis? Well, one of the the most simple but effective tools that we advise organizations to use is what we call a constituent matrix. It is a very simple tool that really maps out who are your stakeholders and what do they 
care about. Far too often, organizations, whether it's a federal agency or a private sector company, are answering questions that they want to ask, but not the questions that their actual stakeholders are asking. So making sure you're mapping out what are the key concerns that our stakeholders have? What do our employees care about? What do our community members care about? What do our customers care about? Local, you know, local officials, what do they care about? And making sure you're mapping out those concerns. What's the messaging and point of view you want to share with those particular audiences? Who is the right person to provide that information? And what is the method you're going to provide that information? What is the platform? Is it a phone call? Is it an email? Is it via press releases? You know, what is the what is the method for communicating with them? And under, when you really can take that stakeholder-led approach and you're speaking in language and providing information and messaging that answers the questions your stakeholders want and need to hear, you're in a much better position to really survive a crisis. And then oftentimes, if you've done rightly, you can actually deepen relationships with stakeholders because they'll appreciate that you answered their concerns and put them first. And then after they ask those questions and they get the answers, then what do they do uh, with the information that they've gathered? What are the next steps? Well, when you're, we would recommend for when you have that those top three or four threats identified is actually creating the materials to respond to them in advance. So whether that is you know, draft press releases, statements, Q and A's, all of the messaging that you might need to do. It might not be exact once an actual crisis hits and hopefully doesn't hit, but at least it gives you a starting point so you can be very factual and efficient in how you respond to the issue. So we highly recommend really building a crisis response to your top three potential threats and having it at the ready, whether it's a security breach or another, um, you know, another potential threat. I think a great example of that is Slack. Um, the, the, the technology platform had an outage about a year or so ago. And if you're a technology communications provider, un- planning for an outage should be job number one. And they did an excellent job when they actually had an outage Responding to customer, you know, customer complaints, answering questions, proactively posting on social media the, the source of the outage, what they were doing, estimated response times. They had planned clearly very well for that type of a threat because, again, it was very, you know, for their business, a highly likely threat. And it showed because they really received wonderful feedback and appreciation from their customers for how they handled the issue. And then to help ensure that they are prepared as possible for a crisis. How should federal agencies and those in the private sector, how do they incorporate the results of that index uh, vulnerability assessment in their crisis management plans? Well, again, I think we touched on this a little bit earlier, but test that plan. Make sure that you do not you know, put that plan into um, action when during an actual crisis. We highly recommend conducting a simulation session. That could be a tabletop exercise done over the course of several days or physical exercise where you bring everybody into the conference room and kind of surprise them with, here's what just happened. How are we going to respond to that? Because we want to make sure everybody understands how to use that crisis playbook. Who are the right players? What's their role in that crisis? How are they going to respond? How are they going to get information, report information, and disseminate information? And making sure that they're staying in their lane. Oftentimes during a time of crisis, you see um, this phenomenon happen where all of a sudden the legal team is trying to write press releases and the HR team wants to talk to the media, really making sure everybody knows their roles and responsibilities so the organization can function and use that plan efficiently. 
When and how do you know, or can you know, if the efforts to reduce your vulnerability to a crisis are really successful? Well, unfortunately, I think you only really know when you're hit with that actual crisis. And again, I would look to the stakeholders. I would look to your stakeholder groups and see how they are responding. One of the best ways to see how you're actually weathering a particular storm is, do you have detractors or do you have promoters? Are your stakeholders coming to your defense? Are they coming to you and saying, X organization, thank you for responding to me. I really appreciate how hard you're working on this. And, you know, we hear, we understand that, that you're getting there. If you can have actually your stakeholders come to your defense, that is, um, I would say, kind of the gold standard of crisis management. I'm afraid we're almost out of time. But before we go, what's the most important thing you'd like people to remember from our conversation today? Well, to me, the most important thing to remember, especially as we head into an election cycle, is really understanding the political and social landscape that we're dealing with and those intangible threats that maybe not core to your business, but unless you're operating in a, in a vacuum in one single tiny state or sing, single city, you might be vulnerable to potential having to weigh in on a social or political issue. And you need to make sure your organization really understands where it wants to go, what it, what what positions it's comfortable with communicating, and that you've vetted those positions and understand how that can either help the organization or you're prepared to deal with the backlash of those statements. But I think from here on in, it's only going to get more challenging in this environment um, to do something that may that you know won't be seen as as politically motivated, and making sure you're really understanding who your audience is and the potential backlash for any statement you make for or against a particular topic. Good advice. Thanks again for being with me today, Jackie. I appreciate it. It was a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, Ed. That's it for this edition of Crisis Ahead. My guest today was Jackie Kolek, who is the Chief Innovation Officer at Peppercom. Be sure to come back next week for more advice and insights on preparing for managing and recovering from a crisis or subscribe to crisis ahead wherever you get podcasts each week i interview government officials corporate executives and experts who share their advice and insights about a variety of crisis management and crisis communications related topics recent guests have included jay johnson the former secretary of the department of homeland security Isabella Guzman, the Administrator of the Small Business Administration, and officials of the Department of Defense and the Federal Emergency Management Agency. And be sure to read my articles about crisis-related issues, news, and topics on Forbes.com, where I'm a Leadership Strategy Senior Contributor. Remember, it's not a matter of if a crisis will hit your organization or company, it's when. And the sooner you're prepared for it, the better. Produced by HeartCast Media.